welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Steve Hanley, Joe Boris, and I are back for another episode of Clean Tech Round Talk, our Clean Tech Talk series that involves all the three of us just shooting the stuff. Stuff. <laughs> I was like, There's the, stuff there, and we're shooting it. We're shooting doing a really good job. That's the uh, one. about uh, what the hottest, latest clean tech yeah. EV news, especially. Exactly. I don't mean to derail us immediately at the start of this episode of Round Talk, but I notice you don't introduce yourself by name. Like, are we just all supposed to assume that everybody knows this is Zachary Shahan's show? Yeah, you know, I thought about it too, but <laughs> I put it in the in the description. Yes, and I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica. Yes, I, sometimes I do. It just always feels weird. So sometimes I leave it out and I'm like, oh, they can read the description. Or they can read the description. <laughs> or find out, you know, some other way. It leaves a, an air of mystery. Yes. It, it no, does leave an air of mystery. I like it. But this two-part uh, series is talking about the, the IRA, a funny little acronym for the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And in the first part, we talked about EV battery mineral requirements in the clean vehicle credit portion of the bill. And now we're going to talk sort of more about the dealer and pricing elements. So Joe or Steve, do you want to, Joe, you want to start off on the dealer topic? Yeah. So what are we talking about? So currently, when we talk about a federal $7,500 incentive for electric vehicles, which is, has existed as we know it, that's actually a tax credit, right? So that is something that, you know, first of all, in order to take advantage of it, you have to have a $7,500 tax burden, right? Or tax bill to get that back. But kind of taking that equation out of it, it was something that was applied later. And under the language of the new Inflation Reduction Act, that will be transferred to the selling entity. So in other words, if you're buying a car in September, you won't have to wait until the following April 15th to get your tax credit back. You can use it at the point of sale and reduce the price of the vehicle by $7,500 by essentially transferring that tax credit to the dealership. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, right? Because there, there's some people that have a problem with it. They think that the dealers are going to use it to, uh, you know, as another tool in their arsenal to play games and do some trickery and stuff. But there's other people who just, <laughs> exactly. That would never happen. That would never happen. The dealers are totally honest and upstanding people. The dealers? Um, the the I mean, dealers, come on. Don't, indeed. Next but the other question, the too, is... Or <laughs> Yeah. So, but I think there's a couple of questions there. I think, you know, number one, if you can afford to wait until April, obviously wait until April, because I think that because of the way that it's written and because of the way that the new law has an income cap, that you may qualify for it at the time of purchase, but you may not qualify qualify for it by the end of the year, for example, if you get a raise, if you go to a higher tax bracket, something happens, you get some kind of windfall or lottery winnings, 
And the dealership is not going to necessarily follow up with you to make sure it's filed correctly. So you might find yourself in some trouble with the 87,000 new IRS employees that are, uh, you know, going to be keeping tabs on that thing. 87,000. I thought it was just 87. <laughs> no, the, the 87 are the, that's all they're going to use for people who make over 400,000. The rest of them are coming for us. This has been a side topic around the clean technical water cooler. I, I'm a we fan. Have a water cooler? Where spot. is it? <laughs> yeah, go after those. Yeah, the, the, the watermelon infused water cooler on top of our rooftop. Uh, the parking garage? Yeah, yeah. The, the roof by the rooftop pool, as Steve likes to say. So, we should bring yeah. back the cucumber water. That was really it's, good. It's right next to the sauna. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> cucumber water there, too. You just have to go to the dark corner of the... <laughs> of the rooftop pool i don't know what we're talking about here but steve what do you 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 can jump in here on this uh element i would just say just really briefly i think it's awesome i think this is something that's long been lacking we really needed it so yeah it's great steve i have to say i think it's ambiguous at this point in time and i don't think we really this is a 700 plus page bill and uh, about three pages of that are important and the other 697 pages are special favors for people to get them to vote for the for the bill. So we really won't know what's in there for quite a while. And then even after the bill passes, then the IRS and, and everybody else has to create their rules and regulations to implement it. I, having spent some time in the world of selling automobiles, I think there's going to be some issues as to whether... Tesla and uh, Rivian and some of the other people that sell direct to the public are going to be able to uh, to qualify for these new incentives, even if their batteries are made with pixie dust that comes from central Pennsylvania. Well, there there has been concern about that, but I looked at the language of the bill as it's passed the Senate, and I mean, it seems clear that any that an automaker who's got the right to sell cars to people will be able to to do the same thing as a normal auto dealer so they will also but what does that mean for texans who don't have the right to buy teslas or rivians that's the point joe this is all right (laughs) those those other states yeah there's some issues which are unclear for sure but i would just like i think a lot of people thought oh only auto dealers can take the credit and pass it on to buyers and i think that's wrong based on the language as i'm reading it so i think it's i think it's anyone who's selling you a car a new car can do that and then i mean this is really i mean you don't even have to be i mean there's a lot of people who could really benefit who might not have the tax liability for some odd reason or another who just really might you know be very conscious of the sticker price and they want the seventy five hundred dollars off immediately not in six months or nine months when they do their taxes or whatever. So I think, I think it's really going to be a helpful thing to get, you know, to support more people, not just the people who are looking for tax breaks, but yeah, there's a lot of details to still figure out. Zachary, I'm, I'm confused. I thought this was an EV incentive. I, I thought the, uh, the, the tax credit was going away under this new scheme. It, it, as long as you didn't earn more than the maximum in the bill, you're entitled to the 7,500 bucks. Am I wrong? Oh, you mean right off the bat? Yep. 
I was I was under the, the understanding that that wasn't the case that it was that you could apply it at the point of sale, but that it was something that would come up later. Oh, that's going to be horrendously complicated. But I if I'm, I mean, it, it might be wrong, right? Because this is kind of a nightmare thing that we're looking at. <laughs> nightmare yeah. is the right word. I felt like I knew a few times, and now I'm c confused. But um, I'm trying to find it. I felt like I knew a few times. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, at different times, I thought oh, I understood everything in the bill. But now I'm confused what is in it uh, for sure. But let me let me see. But I mean, th I think that was the point of this dealer element is that you can either take the tax credit or the dealer can and can pass on the savings to you at the point of sale and that's sort of the that's the big benefit one of the biggest benefits in this change in my opinion is that you don't have to wait to till you file file your taxes to get that benefit oh the point of sale is huge that, right that, but the question is is it still a tax credit if you don't have that $7500 liability or just everybody gets it. And if you don't have a $7,500 tax bill, you get it back as a refund or something. So it's still, if you, if you owe a hundred dollars in taxes, that's your maximum EV incentive is a hundred bucks. No, that's I, the question. I think in this case, it's, it's something where the dealer can take the tax benefit and pass it on to you. But again, like you said, you know, this, everything is not finalized. But isn't that like kind of telling, like, you know, we, we've got three people, people here who are in the industry we're in this every day we're reading about it we're writing about it we're talking to people about it we're traveling the country talking to industry leaders and people in this space and this thing comes out and we're all reading it and we're all trying to understand it and we're confused and you look at europe where they have an ev mandate or you look at china where they just say look this is what you're going to buy and you know the people aren't oppressed they're not you know rioting in the streets saying give us our freedom and over here you know it, you just write an article about hey it'll be cool we'll now get ev tax credits and there's commenters saying we want our freedom this is an attack on our freedoms like <laughs> it, the whole thing seems kind of crazy because number one i don't know that most of those guys can really define what freedom is and number two i don't think there's anybody right now in the United States, who has a complete and total understanding of what this bill really is? No, I mean, we definitely don't until, well, until it's finalized, and then until the lawyers and accountants translate it to people enough for us to be certain of certain things. But yeah, I mean, the, the point, though, one of the points is that there, the, the, the subsidy will be more available at the point of sale in one way or another and well and, and keep people. in mind too there's another subsidy now for used evs yeah and they're at least say, two years old yeah they're going through the the text i was going to say we need, we need to focus on that as well so steve what do you want to say on the used ev part the used ev specifically says only cars purchased from a uh, licensed car dealer yeah. And oh, that's only, interesting. It can only be applied once. So I can't sell you my EV and you get the and you get the credit and then you sell it to Steve and he get the credit. So it's right. it's tied to the VIN. I mean, I understand the the concerns with corruption and conspiracy, but in my opinion, they just want to make sure this is managed. And if it's not through a dealer, it can get difficult to do this correctly and I mean, Joe, you're always the one defending dealers. So come and step in here and explain why. Well, 
I, I, so I'm dealers. looking at it from I'm looking at it from from a tax point of view, right? So I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, what are some of the reasons that you would have to go through a licensed dealer? So number one, you want to fight fraud, right? So let's say that you know you and I or or me and my son, I want to give my son my car, but I'm going to sell it to him for five dollars and he's going to get a four thousand dollar tax rebate right so that's that could be seen as corrupt or manipulating the system unfairly right so we want to cut back on that but i think to steve's point about you know there's about three pages that are important and you know 697 that are special favors to people we have recently seen ford tesla and a couple of other manufacturers say once your lease is up, you are no longer allowed to buy that vehicle. You cannot make the decision, take the decision away from the manufacturer and say, I'm going to keep it or I'm going to sell it or I'm going to trade it. At the end of the lease, it's done. You give it back, which is a huge, huge change in the way that leases have been handled over the last 30, 35 years. So now that we see this language and we know as Americans that these manufacturers have been lobbying for specific language, I mean, these guys, they'll lobby over where you place a comma in some of these in some of these laws. So we now know that these laws were written with some influence from the from the manufacturers and from their lobbyists. So now we kind of see the motivation. OK, as a manufacturer, I'm going to. And I'm going to have this $7,500 tax credit that's going to bring the price of my vehicle down and let me sell more of them. And then when I get it back in two years or three years, I'll be able to get another tax credit and put it in with more people. If you can apply that tax payment as money down, or if the dealer can say, look, we're going to show it to you this way on paper and effectively submit it to the bank as if you have this as money down, that's going to mean a lot more people qualify for these loans, which are getting bigger and bigger and longer and longer. And it's going to mean more sales, not only for the dealers, but for the manufacturers as well. So I, I think that's kind of the motivating factor to bring it in through the dealers more than anything else, more than a avoidance of tax fraud and an avoidance of, of you know, malfeasance or wrongdoing. I think it's specifically to kind of feed that leasing machine and feed that consumption machine. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's probably true. I think the fraud thing is a, is a real concern to, you know, and uh, this is one way to, to avoid it because the dealers are not going to risk their business by, you know, doing something shady with that. In that way, they will do plenty of shady things, but not in a way that's going to get them convicted. convicted no, they won't mess with the IRS. They, exactly. they've, yeah, <laughs> they'll so, mess with you and me all day long, but they're not going to bother the IRS. Yeah, so... I mean, and that, so that brings us to another a big Doesn't kind of. Does this suggest that, that Tesla's used vehicle division is not going to be eligible for for this tax credit for unused cars? No, I mean. Oh, because they're not a licensed dealer. I right. think they qualify as a dealer in the language of the law. From what I see, saw in the bill, it looks to me like they're saying a dealer or anyone certified to sell vehicles to people, you know, so I think it's like. I think that's we're, I think we're overreading the word dealer in in this, and I think Tesla, Rivian, Lucid all qualify as dealers according to this bill. But I could be wrong, so we'll find out. But on the topic of stimulating more demand and all that, and opening up the market to more people, I think this is another big uh, sort of counter argument I see is that people are like, well, already automakers are producing all the EVs they can, and that's why they're so expensive, and the wait lists are a year long. 
And all this does is, you know, give money to something that doesn't need money. Like you're stimulating demand when there's already too much demand. So there, I have a perspective on that argument, but yeah, I'll let you guys tackle it first and see what you have to say. Well, about you can't it. lead in that way. You can't say I have a perspective. Why don't you guys go and then I'll tell you well, why you're wrong. That's okay. not fair. No, no. I mean, I'm I just see if you, if you take my, so, you know, you can talk more and I can talk less, but I mean, my, my, okay. So my, my general take is that yes, that's true, true in the short term, but this is also just a strong signal the market is going to be huge. So get in and get bigger than you were getting. Like, okay, you planned to make six, 650,000 EVs a year forward. Now, maybe you want to double that to 1.2 million a year, you know, like quicker, you know? So I think I think it still gives a signal to automakers and then to battery mining companies, to processors. They're like, oh, this market's growing, but now it's going to grow a lot faster. So while in the short term, it might be like, oh, what does this do? It's just, you know, people are already waiting a year for for an EV. But in the longer term, you know, I think it definitely helps to to give strong signals to all elements, all parts of the market to say, hey, get get in now, like go, go bigger. That's my take. I, even, I think that's right. Even Toyota? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, I think Toyota is, is going to be very happy with that seven kilowatt hour. So in this language of the new bill, if you're a plug-in hybrid and you have a seven kilowatt hour battery, you can qualify for the full amount, the full $7,500 amount. I think that Toyota, because they are really fighting to keep going with the hybrids, number one, because they've already committed publicly to going with smaller capacity batteries at lower cost, number two, and because they've remained committed to this to the uh, nickel metal hydride battery, which is not does not use the same amount of exotic materials and does not require the rare earths that are coming from China and Argentina. I think Toyota is actually in a really prime position to do well here. Well, let's just remember Toyota has a factory in what state? I don't know. One of them. West Virginia. West Virginia. Ooh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I think I think you just figured this out. No, I mean it's Prime Minister Joe Manchin has been lobbying for Toyota for a while on this. I think this is <laughs> I love the Prime Minister comment. That's so good. But you I mean you pulled out some elements I hadn't thought about. I mean that I mean, I think it's it's clear Joe Manchin found a way to get some things in there that Toyota wanted. I mean, that's just my my take based on especially on what you just said about the batteries, you know, the size of the batteries. I think I think Toyota's, you know, they finally gave their stamp of approval. Yeah, they finally gave their stamp of approval. Being able to qualify for a seventy five hundred dollar incentive for a car that has a seven kilowatt hour battery in it is insane. Man. Yeah, that, that's criminal. But what I mean, what can we expect? <laughs> that's criminal. But what can we do? What can we expect from West Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> Criminals in West Virginia. How dare you? Oh man, that's so brutal. I I really I really I can't believe we hadn't I hadn't thought of that. But you're absolutely right. This this was 100 written for Toyota, and Mansion held them hostage until they put the language in there. Well, wow. I mean, I'll yep. call myself an idiot because I got the Toyota tip you know, months ago when the bill was killed. It was like, you know, people were saying, well, Toyota's in West Virginia 
you know, no wonder Manchin doesn't want to go ahead with it. But, you know, your comments just now about why this bill is good for Toyota stood out in a in a new way. You know, this is like, yeah, this is <laughs> this is very helpful oh, for them, right? It's very helpful for them. I'm so upset. But like, I don't know. I again, if, if we can don't, get the average, if we can get the average person the per- to get out of. Yeah, what's that? Don't- the the don't you know don't be an enemy of of the good or whatever what's the... yeah don't let don't, don't let don't perfection let the perfect, be the enemy of the good don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good i think this is really a net very good and the fact that toyota gets a way to slime its way through fine oh, fine <laughs> all right i think we've peaked on that one i think we finally uncovered the the true authors of this bill and who's behind it so uh you know, we're all going to go serve our corporate overlords at, at in West Virginia. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see if Bezos has some more pull in Congress and Rivian will get back into the uh, into the mix. Yeah. So the last thing I would just talk about on the money side. So with the used EV incentive, of course, again, this is going to be, you know, sort of just pad the price of a used EV, you know, because someone knows, oh, I can get more for it. But I think it also will encourage new ev owners of new evs to pass them on to the used market and you know knowing that the buyers will have a credit as well available that they you know could get a decent selling price for it and that will help you know bring in you know a good constant flow of new evs and transition the fleet quicker what do you guys think couldn't hurt i don't no man, I'm in this stage now where like I, I I've kind of gone from like this like ultimate car guy, drag racer, motorcycle guy, and I'm kind of now in this new phase of my life where I'm just like, do we really need more new cars? Do we not? You know, is it better to spend a trillion dollars converting the fleet to EVs, or is it better to put that money into light rail and you know protected bike paths and things like that that will actually make a larger cultural change? And I talk to guys like Matt Test ski at charge he's a smart guy and you know his comment is always it's infinitely easier to change the products that people are buying than it is to change the way that people live and he thinks that this is the way forward but i i I don't know man i it it didn't take too many trips on the metro for me to just be like why would i ever drive into chicago you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, well, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, I, I went to grad school for city planning. If you want to find the highest density of car haters in the world, go to a city planning grad school. This is like, you know, this is the, this is the most popular thing to hate on is cars. And I was all in there. You know, I, I, I focused on bicycle planning and and uh, and land use planning that supports bicycling and transit. And basically, I mean, I think this is a huge critical element of of everything, of improving everything. But at the same time, I worked in that field. I tried to convince people and I have enough stories to tell that, you know, you have to transition the, the cars to EVs because it's you're not going to just get everyone to go biking and riding transit. And it's just too big of an issue. So I think both are critical. You need a trillion dollars for both. Unfortunately, you know, it's easier to give a trillion dollars to uh, electrification than to some other things in the US. But fair enough. All right, guys, this was awesome. I think we got a good one here. Steve, any final words? I just wanted to mention that the most important parts of this Inflation Reduction Act may not be the EV component at all, but rather the stable, predictable investment tax credits for 
renewable energy for the next 10 years and also uh, the emphasis on other uh, like heat pumps and everything else that's in this bill that are, are really important and probably more important than whether or not somebody buys an EV in the next couple of years. Yeah, there's a lot of, 100%. A lot of yeah, other great well stuff. Well said. Thank you guys. And we'll talk next time. Have a good week. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.